0: This week's edition of Landlording for Life is brought to us by our friends at rentreporters.com. Go to chicago-realty-group.com, and at the very bottom of that homepage, you'll click through to a link that says Affiliate Property Management Partners. On that page, you'll click on Rent Reporters and find that you can now report your tenants' on-time rental payments to the credit bureaus for as little as $7.95 a month. Now, this is a fee that could be incurred by the tenant themselves in their hopes of potentially boosting their credit score to purchase a property one day, let's say. But in the meantime, it assists you as the landlord in getting on-time rental payments more frequently. Now, on to this week's podcast. This is the Landlording for Life Podcast, where landlords explore their success and stories of failure while building a foundation to improve upon. Here's your host, Sean Morrissey. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Landlording for Life. As always, thanks for tuning in with us this week and another great episode. And today we're going to get back to talking about real estate investment funds and some syndication ideas and, and all that good stuff. So I've got on the line with us today a lady by the name of Heather Drieves. Uh Heather is with the Secured Investment Corp and she is the director of funding and fund and is a fund manager with them. And I figured we'd keep it fairly high level today. So for those of you that are kind of rookie investors that are ultimately looking for your niche and when it comes to real estate investing, I figured, well, this will be a good episode for you. We'll, we'll keep it kind of basic and, and discuss how their are different ideas and things they're doing. So uh, Heather, welcome to the podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. It's quite an honor. Yeah, you
0: betcha. Thanks for your time and um, sharing your your wealth and knowledge with us. Um, so like we do with all our guests, Heather, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what drove you to build wealth in uh, real estate.
1: Yeah, so I mean, just a little bit of, of information about myself and kind of how I – I ultimately, um, ended up where I am is, you know, my, my parents were active real estate investors, uh, more so, um, focused around buying land and, you know, um, they also had full-time jobs, but I, but I also saw the opportunity that, you know, um, investing in real estate, uh, provided them and our family. So I, I always had an interest for it and I kind of fell into the private money space 20 years ago. I, our our youngest son went into school full-time. I had a friend that worked for a local private lender really didn't know much about that um, aspect of it, but uh, decided I was going to get a part-time job and um, ended up starting to work for a private lender and kind of worked my way up from the ground. I I was a a loan officer's assistant for a while and then went into the closing and escrow side of the business and then actually ended up getting my securities license because we were the type of private lender that actually uh, sold what are called first lien notes and trust and so at that time, we sold fractional interest in those notes, and I had to have a Series 63 securities license. And so I decided to take that challenge and really just found myself just loving working with investors and people that were looking to build wealth for themselves and their families to better their lives and, you know, um, provide them with cash flow opportunities in the retirement ages. Some of these people were self-employed, um, individuals that were looking to replace income. So just really found a passion for that, but then also saw the, the opportunity that, um, you know, buying notes provided them, um, and creating wealth outside of your more traditional sources like the stock market and came on board with secured investment corp 10 years ago. And then also had my eyes opened again to the opportunity in real estate. And my husband and I started fixing and flipping and we now own rentals. And so, you know, I just, I think people work these eight to five jobs and, you know, assume that they're going to go to college and everything's going to be taken care of them in retirement age. And, you know, unless you have these side hustles and you're taking your destiny into your own hands, I just don't see how that's going to happen. we know that social security benefits are um, in risk of being gone uh, sometime soon. And so, you know, just really better understanding that controlling your destiny making decisions to do other things outside of your traditional investment opportunities. And there's just this whole nother world. And, you know, I've helped families, you know, live very comfortable lives in retirement age and I just really have a passion for that. So that was kind of my path here. Uh, and so never was my plan. I went to college to be a teacher. (laughs) Um, and just really kind of found a passion for, you know, the the alternative investment world and in real estate.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's many of our listeners, I'm sure, will agree. I mean, that's ultimately why we listen to podcasts like this and, and explore alternative investments. Um, so having said all that, I figured I'd get us started today by really just defining what, what we might call a real estate investment fund, right? Because it's such a broad term. And I thought perhaps you can dig a little bit deeper into that definition and, and how you like to lay it out.
1: Yeah. And I I think most people are most familiar with what a REIT is, which is a, a real estate investment fund. But a REIT is typically something that is publicly traded in the stock market. We are somewhat unique because we are a privately managed real estate fund. And so what I find is you know, the majority of the investors I work with are savvy uh, individuals. They've been successful. Many of them have accumulated wealth through real estate, but in a more active role, you know, meaning maybe they owned rentals, maybe they owned, you know, or they, you know, participated in fix and flip projects uh, and they're really at a place in their life or they're professionals that, you know, are dentists and doctors and chiropractors and they don't have the time to be out rehabbing houses but they still like the real estate asset. And so our funds are real estate funds. And that means that we diversify our funds and we take 75% of our fund balances and we lend that money out to other real estate investors. So our our, our borrowers are typically people that are fixing and flipping properties for short-term purposes. And so there's opportunity to create Wealth in this and earnings in this fund through things like interest payments, origination points, um, but it gives us the the ability to be more broad, right? We have borrowers and brokers coming to us wanting to borrow. So we have 75% of our assets are these first lien notes that we lend money out on. Then the other part of the fund portfolio is 25% held in actual real estate projects. So we're located in beautiful Coeur Idaho. We feel extremely blessed to be in this part of the country. And there's tons of opportunity to buy real estate locally, Coeur Idaho, and specifically Spokane, Washington. So we actually also, within that fund hold real estate assets. So we go and buy properties, mainly with the strategy of fixing and flipping and turning them quick. And those profits flow back into the fund. So our fund members that are invested in this fund are invested in an entity. It is set up as an LLC. They are an equity owner in the fund. And the way that our fund members or investors make money is they make money and profit off of the earnings of the fund, but they don't have to do it themselves. (laughs) That's the beautiful thing. They don't have to deal with tenants and toilets. They don't have to deal with trying to deal with subcontractors. They can let us do the heavy lifting, but they reap the benefits of that. So I tell people it's pretty simple. It's a way to invest in real estate without doing the heavy lifting
0: yeah i think that's really what it comes down to and then receiving you know that quote unquote uh passive income so having said all that can you tell us a little bit about uh who the who's the typical investor uh, when it comes to uh putting the funds together uh who are the who's this most suitable for
1: Yeah. You know, I think I have kind of three buckets to be really perfectly honest with you. I have very high net worth professionals that, like I mentioned, dentists, doctors that have considerable wealth and are looking at alternatives outside of the stock market. They're very busy people. And so a lot of our clients are those types of clients that like the real estate asset, but don't have the time to do anything within that market. Then you've got people that have been active real estate investors. I have, you know, people that own rentals or did own rentals. I have people that have rehabbed houses, real estate professionals, you know, um, licensed brokers out there that, that like the real estate asset. And they're really looking to diversify their portfolio. Maybe they already own rentals and they're rehabbing houses and they're starting to accumulate some wealth. Um, We have a lot of clients like that are looking to really just start to diversify and create wealth for themselves And then I would say the third bucket we have is a lot of people with self-directed IRAs and self-directed 401ks. Um, If anybody knows anything about that, it's a huge industry. People are starting to take control of their finances and and their destiny. And there's opportunities to move IRAs, move old 401ks into what are called self-directed custodians. And I, I love these custodians because they are educating the population out there. They are educating people about the different alternatives. And investing in real estate funds is very popular with them because they're already in a tax deferred sh- or sheltered account. And with our funds, If they're not necessarily looking for cash flow, but looking to really grow those those tax deferred accounts quick and and big, they can invest in our funds and they can roll their earnings back into their equity. So they're almost compounding their earnings. So. Again, I, th- I think, you know, it really just depends on the investor and what their end goal is, what they're trying to accomplish. Is it cash flow or growth? Um, but those are those are typically the three that we deal with quite often. And for those of you that don't know, real estate funds in the past have only been open to high net worth accredited investors. Um and three years ago, they changed a lot of these laws. We actually have a real estate fund, one of the only few real estate debt funds out there. That's called a Regulation A fund. Anybody can invest in it. You don't have to have a million dollars in assets or $200,000 in income. Um, we're pretty excited about that. I'm proud of that. Awesome. Awesome.
0: So, yeah, you know, while, while we're keeping it kind of high level, why don't we go ahead and define – Um, what an accredited investor is or what they must have in order to qualify as an accredited investor? Yeah,
1: I think that's a great question. And a lot of people don't know that. Um, And and the one thing too, before I, I tell you what that is, is this is the securities and exchange definition. This is not a company policy. We follow this so that we can be compliant. But the SEC is out there to protect the consumer, right? You know, they're out there to make sure that that fund managers like ourselves are acting in good faith, that are doing the things that they should properly. Um, And an accredited investor, according to their definition, can fall under one of two two qualifications. You can either qualify if you have a million dollars in assets. Now, keep in mind that cannot include any equity or value you have in your primary residence. So it excludes that, but it can be rentals, second homes, uh, other accounts, cashed. So if you accumulate a million dollars in assets, you would qualify as, as what they define as an accredited investor. Or you can qualify if you have $200,000 a year in, in verifiable income for the past two consecutive years as an individual or $300,000 as a married couple. So it's one or the other. It's not both. It's just, do you qualify under one of those buckets?
0: Beautiful. Okay, so for most real estate syndication funds, ultimately, you need to be an accredited investor in order to invest. But your example, you have a fund available to folks that don't need to be in credit that do not need to be accredited. That is
1: correct. So we we opened our first fund 10 years ago and um, it was great. We have a ton of accredited investors. But I'll be honest, as a a company and as a fund management team, we always felt Like we were doing the little guys a disservice. You know, why? Why should the people that are already wealthy be the only ones that can create wealth, right? And so, like I said, I guess it was actually four years ago, the SEC changed some of their filings and and they decided that they would allow people to open up these non-accredited Regulation A-plus funds but they also limit it, right? So they say that that if an investor invests in this fund, they can't invest more than 10% of their assets or 10% of their income. And that's, you know... I think the sec gets a bad rap but they're there to protect the consumer they they don't want these people that are taking their last dollar investing money and funds um and and they don't you know there's risk there's risk in everything you invest in i tell people that all the time you know they'll ask me is this risky well if your stockbroker your financial advisor isn't telling you that's risky they're not being very honest with you because there's risk in everything (laughs) um but you know the sec again is there to protect the consumer and so we jumped all over it we were like Heck yeah, we want to open this fund. We've been waiting for this for seven years, you know. And so we also wanted to choose a minimum investment that was pretty much obtainable by everybody. And so we set that at $1,000. And it's been great. You know what it, it really is a great fit for? Is people that had an old 401k from two jobs ago and they never did anything with it. And it's sitting there with their previous employer doing nothing, this is a great opportunity to put those smaller dollars to work. You know, you can move those old 401ks over to a self-directed custodian. So you're not taking a distribution, you don't pay taxes on it, but now you can put it to work and you pick and choose where to, to you know, basically have that money work for you or small balance IRAs. Um, you know, a lot of people will set up, HSA accounts or college savings accounts or new IRAs, this is a good opportunity for that. Um, And then just your individual that's not necessarily quite accredited yet, they still can get their money working for them. And, you know, our goal for all of our clients is to be an accredited investor. And this is a pathway to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Over time, right? Yeah. Okay, perfect. So let's let's go back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier in regards to like source of funds, because I think this is such an important point. I mean, ultimately, you brought up the idea of old 401k, old IRA monies that are basically sitting there doing nothing. Um, You may just have a high income earner with some disposable income they want to invest. Are there any other sources of funds that you've seen or tend to come across time to time that our listeners might want to? Be aware well, of?
1: I mean, like, for example, with your high net worth earners, I think one of the things to look for is what is your tax situation, right? Um, because when you invest in our funds, you you do get a K-1 at the end of the year. So, you know, I, I typically have two different types of clients, ones that are trying to do tax deferment and don't necessarily need the income, and then others that are looking for the cash flow. So, you know, there are funds out there um, that you can actually... So more syndications, I guess, is probably the better word for it, where your high your high income earners that don't need the income can park some money in a syndication. So these are typically projects like self-storage or multifamily. Mm-hmm. And there is benefit and opportunity in those because they get tax um, uh, deferment um, through ways of depreciation. So a lot of
0: yeah, either bonus depreciation, yep. cost segregation. Yep. Yeah, things so of that that's, nature.
1: That, you know, and so I wouldn't be doing injustice if they were looking for something like that, telling them to go into our fund. Our our fund is a cash flowing fund. Now there's ways to grow and reinvest and, and not take distributions, but you're still going to get reported as earnings. So. What yeah. I find is our funds are a great fit for people that are looking for cash flow. So a lot of people that are self-employed will sell their business, right? And then especially dentists. They'll go sell their building, sell their business. Now they need to, you know, figure out what their burn rate is and replace that income they had as an active dentist. And the these funds are great for that. People love that. Our funds pay out earnings every month and they're averaging eight to ten percent and they don't have to do a thing. It's all backed by hard assets. It's either the loans that we originate, which are the liens, or it's the real estate that we're buying. So it's much different than a stock investment. If uh, you invest in an in a, a, uh, investment on the stock market and the company goes bankrupt, you have nothing. You know, uh, These are hard assets. So- Um, You know, I I guess to answer your original question, it really kind of just depends on the investor and do they want growth? Do they want cash flow? Um, One of the sources that I would suggest people check out is a platform called Verivest, Um, Verivest is a online platform that basically weeds out bad fund managers. And there's a variety of different fund managers. A lot of them are very close, uh, colleagues of ours and, um, everybody's fund offers something a little different, but it's a way for the consumer to know that they're working with someone that's in good standing and that there's a third party watching over even outside of the SEC. So Verivest does compliance and it's, it's a service that we choose to have and we pay for because we want people to know it's important for people to understand that we're acting in good faith. We're good fund managers. Cause there's a lot of really bad ones out there. So um,
0: now that's such a, that's such a great point. I mean, as the real estate syndication space has really exploded after the couple last couple of years, To your point, there's a lot of good ones. There's a lot of bad ones. But, boy, I have not run across a company that will do actually – you know, I guess it might be some kind of audit check, right? And making sure that these companies are actually legitimate and not fraudulent. Um, so Verivest, Ver- i have to check out. And what that out. they
1: do is they have two levels. So we're a gold member Verivest client. So we allow them to do compliance on us quarterly. So a lot of syndications and funds are audited, um, which is great. But audits typically only happen every 12 months. I'm here to tell you <laughs> a lot of stuff can happen in 12 months. Um so yeah. Verivest comes in, if you're gold level, which is their highest level, they'll do compliance on us every quarter. So they do a random audit of our books and all that type of stuff to make sure we're acting in good faith. The entry level with Verivest is not gold. And I think they do that every six months. They do a compliance or audit. So um, they just have a big passion to weed out bad you know, operators out there. And I think that... You know, consumers are looking for other resources and investment options and alternative investments is a big buzzword out there. And like you said, to that point, there's a lot of bad operators out there and people are so trusting. So I encourage people do your due diligence.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's a great segue to my next question, which is really talking about the pros and cons of investing in a real estate fund versus, let's say, a buy and hold investor, right? Like so many of our listeners, as like myself, I mean, I'm a 100 percent equity owner in anything that I own. And I I can think of some pros and cons maybe off the top of my head. But I'm wondering, you know, what what kind of pros and cons might you see uh, comparing the kind of the passive um, investor space to, you know, perhaps the buy and hold? Yeah, investor.
1: well, I, th- I think that's a great question because everybody has a different strategy, you know, and, and so it's not cookie cutter for everyone. You know, my typical client that likes to invest in our funds understands real estate. They understand the opportunities, but they are either in a position in their life or where they don't have the time and they would rather work with a fund operator like us um, that does the heavy lifting for them, but they get to reap the benefits and the earnings of the opportunities that are out there in real estate. And it's interesting. We had one of our clients um, because we have an education component to our company. And she said, um, we asked her why she got involved with us. She goes, because I'm not the smartest person out there. I would rather align myself with people that are smarter and know more about the space than I do. And I think that's one of the things that people like about us as a fund manager is, you know, we got, we've got boots on the ground. We have a massive team. We have a hundred employees. So to even think about doing the volume and the the having the opportunities we have would require a team. You aren't going to do it as an individual. So why not just let us do it for you? The cons to it is your active guys. You know, I've got some guys that Mm -hmm. they don't want to go in a fund and have us pick and you know, we have very clear, just to understand, we have very clearly defined guidelines of what we can put in the fund. It's not, we just at our whim can willy nilly put anything in the fund. Our loans that we originate have clearly defined guidelines and then the properties that we purchase and invest in have clearly defined guidelines, but some of your active guys that you know maybe own a few rentals and and they they've got it down to a science you know they know how to manage the property or they have a uh, active property manager some of those types of individuals don't don't prefer the fund because they don't have as much control over it, right? They don't, you know, they don't want to go in a fund where we're lending money in Texas or, you know, they would rather pick and choose and be very specific about where they're investing. Maybe it's a location, maybe it's the type of property. So those types of clients, you know, typically are, are more active clients and they're coming to us a lot of times for funding, um, you know, to buy properties, or they'll buy notes. We sell first lien position notes, also those are our more active people. Hey, I only like deals in Texas. I only want deals you know under a hundred grand so you can you can be a little more more all a cart with the trust deeds
0: okay no, I think that's that's really well said. I mean when I think of myself and you know th- some of the reasons I don't invest in syndications is because I've become such a specialist in my own market, right? And I know not only the market, but I know the legalities when it comes behind renting a property or the cost to rehab a property or whatever. But to your point, I mean, you guys have a product that basically can satisfy that by private lending to guys like me. On the other hand, if I don't have the time to learn that stuff, if I'm tied up in my W 2 job, then the passive income route makes more sense and the fund route really makes more sense when it comes to investing in those passive real estate investments. So, um, you know, certainly stuff folks want to think through prior to taking their first step as a, a real estate investor. Yeah. You know.
1: And you know, the thing is I'm, I'm not here and nor is our company here to say, Hey, take, take all your money out of everything else you're investing and put it in our fund. This is really just yeah. an additional tool to create. Well, You should always be diverse. I would never, Encourage or tell somebody to put all their eggs in our basket. That's not what I'm here for, but I am here to promote diversification and you know, you know, active real estate investors have windfalls. They sell a property. They've got a large amount of cash, even real estate brokers, you know, they get a big commission. This is a way to park some of that cash, especially with the self-directed accounts. You know, those are tax deferred. And a lot of times people will call, well, I've only got 10 grand in there. What am I going to do with it? I can't buy a property. I can't, you know, um, some of these funds have very large minimums. Our fund has a thousand dollars. Perfect. That's a great opportunity to park some money in the fund. And our funds have a 12 month tie up period. That's all you have to commit to is a year. So if, Hmm. you know, money that you're not going to need to access for a year or two, the funds are a great option for that, too.
0: Boy, that was going to be another question I had for you is what kind of time horizon should investors expect? And you're saying 12 months. Is Well, that right?
1: yep. So a couple things on the funds, uh, tie up period is a year. They have to stay in for just one year. And then if they choose to divest out, they can start the divesting process after that 12 months. Um, Other thing that's really unique about our funds, and I think this more applies to like syndications, and you're somewhat familiar with that, it sounds like. A lot of times when syndications or big commercial funds raise capital, they raise capital until they hit their, their goal, right? Maybe it's a 10 million. Well, people's funds sit there sometimes for three to four months undeployed. They don't earn Our funds, your funds are immediately deployed and you immediately start earning. So because, again, it's a cash flowing fund, it's short term debt in and out of it. We're buying real estate. So that's the difference. Um, And the benefit to that is, you know, your funds are immediately deployed. You're not waiting three months for your money to start working for you. And um, earnings can be paid out on a monthly basis. So for our clients that are looking to replace cash flow, income, whatever that is, they love Of the funds because they pay out on a monthly basis. We pay out all profits. So we just paid out seven and a half percent for last month. uh, And the month before that was nine and a half. So there's a huge opportunity to get, again, great yields on their money.
0: Beautiful. Okay. So with that in mind, what kind of yields can investors expect on funds through through your company, are they similar to what they can expect in the open market? Or I guess, what would you yeah, say? Yeah. Like? I
1: mean, I have to be a little careful about that. Our legal would come down on me and, you know, full yeah, disclosure, past history is not always a uh, guarantee of future performance, but I can tell you that our funds have performed anywhere from eight to 11% consistent. Okay. Um, our accredited okay. investor fund is at 10 to 11 every single year for the past seven years.
0: Well, and I think you brought up another good point just a moment ago when it comes to not only hold time of the money, but the fact that your funds are actually deployed immediately. Um, I'm wondering if there's other other nuances that you might say makes, you know, S- secured Investment Corp different from other syndication companies yeah, out there right now. I
1: think there's a lot. But one of the things I hear like time and time over and over again. And it actually is a little surprising to me, to be perfectly honest. I've been doing this 20 years. And one of the things I've always prided myself on is being open and transparent and communicating with our investors. It's shocking to me the amount of clients that come to us and say, I've never had a fund management operator be as you know, be as good at communication, we will call them back, they can call our office at any time, we are um, a team of us, but we communicate and we're transparent, you know, and our fund reports show that, um, you know, my rule of thumb with my team is if someone reaches out to you, whether that's email, or through the phone, you reach back out to them by end of business, nobody goes home until everybody is responded to, even if we the answer. Yeah. I mean, Hey, got your question. We're working on, uh, you know, uh, an answer for you. So I think just, I, that is probably the biggest thing that sets us aside. I, I, I tell my team also, one of the things when you, when you look at investments, yeah, rates of return are great, but you're really investing in the team and the company and, that is the biggest thing that I think people miss. And I have people that call and say, I should have invested with you. I, I got greedy and I I found something else that someone promised me they'd pay me 15%. And now I'm foreclosing. It's like, if it sounds too good to be true, it might be and go with your gut. Make sure that you're doing business with somebody that you feel comfortable with that is open, transparent and honest. And I think we provide all those things here.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, communicates well. I mean, to your point, that seems to be such a critical factor. Yep. Um, yeah, okay.
1: Well, and as we – go oh, ahead, go I was go just going to say, and people don't do it in this industry. It's shocking to me.
0: Yeah, that's basically give me your money mm-hmm. and disappear for a while, I suppose.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> OK, well, as we start to wrap up this this episode, I'm wondering what your forecast might be as we go into 2022 here uh, in this really an ever changing real estate market. Right. Oh, I and mean, we the, the buzzword for this year has been inflation. Yep. Uh, just yesterday, we're in the middle of December here. Just yesterday, the Fed came out, said they're likely going to raise rates three times yep. uh, to slow down the inflation train. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering what what do you see happening over the next 12 to 20? I know months? it's
1: crazy. I read that yesterday, too, about the Fed's um you know here's the thing it it's two different buckets for us it's the lending arm of of the the fund and um as we As we go through the year next year, I think there's going to be tons of opportunity for real estate investors. We have been educating our clients, align yourselves so that you have available funds um, to buy real estate. So I think the origination side and component of our fund is going to be very busy because I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity. They're lifting foreclosure moratoriums. We've had and seen a lot of opportunity with distressed landlords. So I don't foresee the origination side of our our business slowing down. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of opportunity for people to own rentals. Um, you know, people are going to have to start leaving homes that they haven't been paying on for two years. Uh, and with rates going up, um, their ability to qualify for a more expensive home is going to be decreased. Um, and then on the, the acquisition side of things, we see huge opportunity. We're already seeing it in our market. Our market's pretty unique, Spokane and Coeur d'Alene. We have seen home sales start to slow down a little bit, but not prices, which is interesting. But we're in the middle of winter. We get Snow here, so that, that's yeah. pretty common. Um, but yeah, I, I think home sales will slow down, and 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 you know, especially if rates go up, I think you're going to see people not being able to qualify for the the larger, you know, priced homes, and so that might um, compress home prices a little bit. But you know, again, we've been in this space so long and we stick to the residential space and, and more so the affordable housing market. We're not investing in giant jumbo home loans, you know, high end homes. Um, so we still, whether it's opportunity, you know, to own rentals and investment properties or opportunity um, to buy those types of properties, we still think it's going to be strong. But yeah. I-
0: yeah. Yeah. It's such a great recession resistant business when you yep. focus really in the the class C type model. Um, well, and the other point I'd love to bring up is the fact that between now and the time in which we see the rates get increased, let's call it March, April and yeah. next year. I mean, really, investors can take advantage of that arbitrage between where inflation is at right now in the sixes and where fixed rates are at, which is in the three or right. fours. So if you could find a cash flowing property, um, take advantage of that inflation arbitrage coupled with the cash flow. It's, you know, really, it's, uh, it's a great window right now while we got a few months.
1: Remaining. Absolutely. I agree.
0: Yeah. Well, and Heather, why don't we uh, why don't we close with this? Why don't you tell our listeners the best way to reach out to yeah. you, and uh, maybe about the secured investment corp model or how it fits into other pieces of the model that uh, that that's displayed on yeah, your website? Yeah,
1: I think that's uh, an important thing to point out. I get people that ask me, "What do you guys do?" <laughs> and we're very broad. Um, so, secured investment corp is our parent company. And Within that umbrella, we have a real estate education component to our business. So we put on live events, um, three of them a week. Uh, A lot of them are over Zoom. So if anybody's interested in that, and those can be, you know, very entry level uh, real estate investor strategies up to more sophisticated uh, types of strategies like buying lien abatement houses and pre-foreclosed notes. Uh, And then within that, within this organization, we also have a lending arm of our company, which is called co Capital. So any of you folks that are on the podcast that are looking for funding for your real estate transactions, we do provide short-term debt for that, um, as long as it's an in, for investment purposes only. So COGO Capital is our lending arm of our company. And then obviously, we have the opportunity to invest in our funds or our trust deeds. Uh, and then kind of on the back end to just wrap everything up and put a bow on it, we service. So we service all these notes that we originate. We do outside servicing. So if you are a note investor and you're trying to service your own notes yourself, please call us. Uh, We would love to help you with that. So the best way to kind of get introduced to our company would be to visit our website at securedinvestmentcorp.com. We've got information about our funds. We have all our trustees for sale on there and you can actually schedule an appointment on there with me and my team. There's four of us. So uh, we would love to talk to you more. We are not a IRA custodian. custodian or a tax professional, but we know a lot about them. And we can kind of point you in the right direction if that's something you want to explore. So again, that is securedinvestmentcorp.com or you can always call us directly and this will ring right to my office. Uh, It is 800-898-2717.
0: Awesome. All right, Heather. Well, this has been a great episode. I'm sure our listeners at least have a broader understanding of you know, real estate funds and what you guys are doing out there in Washington. But thank you so much for your time and knowledge. Yeah, today.
1: absolutely. It was a pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Yeah, you betcha. So that's going to conclude this week's edition of Landlording for Life. As always, if you like what you heard here today, leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform and we'll see everybody back next week with another episode. Until that time, everybody. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to another episode. If you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review and join our Facebook group to share your deals and ideas by searching at Landlording for Life. See you next time. host or its guests. They do not reflect the views and opinions of Chicagoland Realty Group Partners or Chicagoland Leasing and Property Management Incorporated. Any advice provided should be reviewed with a financial, tax, or legal professional and should not be considered personal information. This presentation is for educational purposes only and is deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee timeliness or completeness.